coming up in this episode. We're really going to have to take a hard look at our system. Demystified is a production of Studio Fest. If you're ready to make your debut feature, submit your short film or feature-length screenplay now at filmfreeway.com slash studiofest. This series exists in both video and podcast form, and is designed to be experienced either way. You can find the video version at moviemaker.com, or the audio version wherever you get your podcasts. From StudioFest and Movie Maker Magazine, this is Demystified, a series about an innovative new way to make movies, and what it really takes to make an indie feature film. My name's Jake Bowen, and this series is about shedding light on the parts of getting an indie film made that are never seen and rarely talked about, through the lens of StudioFest, a one-of-a-kind annual film festival that awards one writer and one director the chance to make their debut feature film. We took a bit of a detour over the last few episodes, and we hope it was as informative for you as it was for us, but we're overdue for an update on what's been going on behind the scenes with StudioFest and the winners of last year's festival. The short answer to that is... a lot. For the long answer, here are Charles and Jess. Where to start? I definitely didn't expect that starting something totally from scratch that was a new thing that people haven't seen before was going to be at all easy. Um, and it, it definitely has proven to be challenging in ways that I could have never really foreseen. It's been difficult. Our system asks for a writer and a director that are ready to make their feature to pair up. We pair them up based on our expectation of who's going to work well together or create an interesting product together. You know, a part of the reason why we selected Ryan and Luam is that individually, Ryan's a great director and Luam's a great writer. They're both producers. They're ready to get dirty. They know what it's like to produce. There's not enough money for everyone to just be talent. And both Ryan and Luam had that. Luam is an actor-writer that's been producing her own work, and Ryan is a director-writer that's been producing his own work. And so we consciously made this decision thinking maybe it can work. After the festival in September 2019, Ryan and Luam immediately started generating ideas for an original story. So we landed on this idea, Frida, which is about an elderly woman who late in life is attempting to actualize, and so she escapes from her assisted living home in order to pursue a long-lost love. And we all love the idea, but as we are coming out with different drafts of it, the expectations of what the idea is supposed to be are not aligning. It doesn't feel like tonally we're aligned. It feels like Luam is more comedy, dramedy, you know, she's thinking about things like Little Miss Sunshine. What I focus on is women of color, mostly, and doing stories that are relatable to everybody. A Wes Anderson film or a Little Miss Sunshine and putting people of color in them. And then you have Ryan, who sort of wants to bring more of like the darker elements and more tone and di a different kind of pacing, um, who I think has kind of like Harold and Maude in his head. It's just about being free and, and seizing life and not having cares. And then there's just this one shot that fucked me up where Harold looks down when they're holding hands and she has a tattoo on the inside of her wrist and it just kind of like says everything and that's all you see it's just this crazy moment no wonder why this woman doesn't have terrors anymore she's been through the worst thing in the world 
in the ideal scenario, we would get the best of both of those worlds, but I feel like instead, by trying to do so much, we're going to end up doing nothing, is my fear, that it just becomes too difficult to get on the same page with the vision. That proved to be true. The two were already butting heads over the direction of the story, and communication was breaking down. So in November, the same weekend we went to AFM, actually, back in episodes one and two, Jess and Charles and I met with Luam and Ryan at a cafe in L.A. to see if we could get everyone on the same page before Luam started the first draft of the script. Well, we should talk about tone, too, because that we really got to be on the same page. Because what you're presenting is a lot easier. I like the themes. I like the idea. But I think the execution is wrong. All right, so this needs to be way more flexible. Well, I'm working on our ideas. Yes, but you're also developing something. And, and because there was nothing there. Right. Like, this is what makes me want to go, Ooh, okay, cool, I'm just going to shut down a little bit. Do you understand how that is, like, that's combative and it's a little hurtful when you're like, there's nothing there? Yeah. You know, because yeah, it's I'm about sorry. pushing it forward and I just don't want to keep going back. So, yeah, my bad. That's okay. Thank you. We're working through this. No, I I told myself I wasn't going to act like a dick. (laughs) After the initial tension, everybody kind of regrouped, and we had a productive conversation about the story. But the differences between their sensibilities as creators remained stark. At one point, they got hung up on how early in the film they should reveal something intimate about the main character, and how that elderly protagonist would realistically speak and act in the modern world. I just also, I want to be careful because, and I am sensitive to this because of what I do, none of us are part of the queer community, so I just think we have to be very careful with when we introduce it and how we introduce it, so it's not a prop, you know? Like, I don't want to use her being a lesbian as a prop. We do have to introduce her a little bit earlier, and that that is coming from... This is a marginalized group, and that's coming from somebody who is marginalized. I understand the subtle nuances. I just think we need, we have to introduce her a little bit earlier. It's risky because we've seen situations like that in the movie, but I know where your head's at. It's so funny. Who's seen the mule? This like lesbian biker gang rolls up, and it's Clint Eastwood. Come on, old town. We like some bikes. And they like help him change his tire or something yeah. like that. Thanks, pops. Welcome, bikes. He's like, all right, see you later. I would suggest you don't put the D word in that edit, just so you know. It all just comes from who she is, the time period she's from, and have her learn some things, but make some mistakes first. Yeah. I want to make sure we're like on board on. Yeah, we got to be sensitive, but let's not be afraid. Let's not be afraid to get vulnerable, and let's not be afraid to push the envelope, to try to crash through the waves of what we've already seen before to like, I mean, get to something new. So. Like, because you're an edgy person in, in real life, and let's have the writing be that. I remember you, I heard you say at the Studio Fest table, you're like, I use the word liberally. I, I like the word. So let's be edgy in the writing I think she's that's what's going to make us stand out is your more, attitude but your, I, I think my voice so will come through in the woman I don't mind being edgy I just want to be respectfully edgy there's a way to do it respectfully just ways like comedians there's ways to tell jokes that isn't offending a mass group of people yeah. I mean, but, but yeah you gotta just also trust the situation that you create and also like 
how an actor could like bring a lot of that. No, I know, and I think we're it. just spitting shit out. Yeah. And I think it's just about finding a common ground while we're spitting shit out. That meeting ended on a positive note, but over the next few months, with each new iteration of the script, the problem came back. And the two really weren't landing on a common vision for the film. And we love them both. They're both really great individually. But I've been playing moderator between them. That's no way to really make a movie when the producers have to be the one to translate between the writer and the director. The phone calls are going for maybe two to three hours at a time. Sometimes we're moving forward and then we're moving backward. Very inefficient at this point. So I'm a little worried that they're really not going to be able to continue working together in a way that's going to give us something good at the end. You know, at some point as a producer, you just think that people would be okay, you know, compromising for an opportunity like this. But then, like, as a producer, I don't want them to compromise. I want their vision. I want their talent. I don't want them to have to make a lackluster product because it's safer. We had to start having some really difficult conversations about not only just Frida, the film that we're making, but we had to start talking about is Studio Fest working? Like, does this model even work? Is it possible to put a writer and a director that have no working history and potentially very different tastes together and make something that's going to be successful, that everyone's going to be happy with? And I think in year one, we got lucky with Anna and Matt because they were really willing to collaborate in the true sense and they did really take each other's visions into consideration and I think that they sort of stayed in their lanes a little bit like I'm writer I'm director ultimately souvenirs is is good I think that it could have been great and because of the time constraints and because of putting people together you know that hadn't worked together before it shows in what we made I feel like it definitely shows in what we made and so I think going into this next film we were really asking ourselves those questions the setup of one writer and one director being paired together, I was a big proponent of this because as a writer, I felt a responsibility to present these opportunities or make sure that writers were getting these opportunities because they're just as deserving of it. But then once in a while, there are people that come along that are writer directors that have such specific visions that you can almost trust that you're going to get an incredibly unique film from it. In the current incarnation of Studio Fest, when it comes time to choose two individuals from a pool of five writers and five directors, there is an inherent tension between, on the one hand, choosing the best writer and the best director, and on the other hand, choosing the writer and director who are most likely to get along or have chemistry. Now, obviously, those two things aren't necessarily mutually exclusive, but imagine this scenario. Let's say at Studio Fest, one of the finalist writers is a young Aaron Sorkin, and one of the finalist directors is a young Quentin Tarantino. And you can tell they've got the goods, that if you hand either one the reins, he'll make magic. But you can also tell that they are not going to be good at sharing creative control with someone else. Are you really going to pass them up? What is the point of a festival like this if it means you have to skip over Aaron Sorkin or Quentin Tarantino? But let's say you do. You choose some other very good, very capable writer-director pair because you know there's not going to be drama between them. They're not going to rock the boat. Maybe they make magic together. But without a singular vision, or someone who has clear creative final say, or a prior history of the two working together, there's a real risk that they produce something that's passable. Good even. But doesn't represent what either party is really capable of. So which do you choose? Well, maybe the answer is 
you change the formula so that nobody's put in that position in the first place. It's just turning out that trying to pair up auteurs is not going to happen. And so we're really going to have to take a hard look at our system. Damn, it sucks. It sucks. I, uh, I really want this to work for everyone. We're excited to announce that Souvenirs, the first Studio Fest film written by Matthew Servillo and directed by Anna Mikami, is now available to rent on Amazon Prime Video and Redbox. Links to the rental pages are in the description below. Despite all the tension, work on the script continued. With this timeline, we've got probably two months before the script needs to be finalized. Essentially, we've all aligned on locations, we've aligned on the characters, we've aligned on arc of this story. And so we can start producing around that. We were through a round of the script that we felt like, okay, let's send to casting and we'll keep rewriting. So we were in the casting process. Casting had started. We had aligned with a casting agent. We go to Maryland and we're prepping this film, Frida, just pre-proing. We're scouting, we're looking for those locations that we know we're going to be in. One of the more difficult things that we had to do was secure a nursing home location for basically free. And essentially what we did was found a, a private nursing home in Maryland that we didn't have to go through like all the corporate structures and all the approvals because obviously that's a lot to navigate with who can be on camera and safety and everything else. So we found the nursing home that was a private nursing home that was willing to do it they were going to allow us to put the residents of the nursing home to play all of the other characters in the film. We were talking through like how we were going to do our peripheral casting with the residents of the nursing home. And then COVID happens. <laughs> this is a pandemic. I felt it was a pandemic long before it was called a pandemic. All you had to do was look at other countries. I think now it's in almost 120 countries all over the world. So in case you missed it, our story is about a elderly woman who escapes an assisted living home. <laughs> I don't know if that this can get any more difficult. <laughs> a lot of our actors are elderly people and our lead talent is over the age of 70. I think there's a process of denial where you're thinking, okay, there's gotta be a way we can do this. Like maybe it's not a nursing home. We'll get like a big like mansion somewhere and we'll dress it correctly and we'll figure this out. But what is this gonna be long-term? How is this person that's over the age of 70 going to be in every scene and be safe? We think about things like casting somebody younger that we can make look a little bit older. All the while, Ryan and Luam are still really not on the same page about what we're making. It just felt like the odds were so stacked against this working. So we're working on rewriting and it's not looking promising to be able to have something soon. At this point, we've got a film that we really can't shoot for the foreseeable future and we're trying to figure out what are we going to do because we really want to shoot something. And Studio Fest is oddly enough designed to make movies on small budgets with only a few people. So if we can do it safely and we figure out a workaround, we could be one of the only small studios making stuff. So we've got this awesome opportunity 
Movie Maker Magazine is with us. They're following our process. Initially, this was going to be a really amazing opportunity to showcase what we're doing. Get people on board with how exciting like this new system, this new model can be. From personal experience, we know how important it is that there be a streamlined path to people making future films. But that opportunity feels like it's going to go away if we can't make something. And so we want to make something, and we started thinking about other scripts that have been submitted to us. Um, we started thinking about just starting from scratch with Ryan and Luam. Um, and then we remembered Patrick's script. I mentioned this back in episode three, by the way, when I was recapping the 2019 festival in Ojai. Patrick Phelan, we had optioned his script out of Studio Fest, and it essentially is two characters that are stuck together in one room. Hey, Patrick, can you hear us? Yeah, hello. How are you guys doing? Good. How are you? Well, you know, global pandemic, but all things considered, pretty well. So, just to recap, the writer and director's relationship is fraught. The founders of Studio Fest are questioning the very structure of Studio Fest. There's a pandemic, and it's halted production on one film, and one course of action that's being considered is taking on a second film production. We know that we have to take advantage of this platform that we have right now. We have to be making something. We have to show everybody that we can make something regardless. That's our mentality. We are scrappy. We're low budget. We can make a lot happen on a little. And we need to show everyone that that we can do that. Stay tuned after the break for a preview of upcoming episodes. Demystified is a production of Studio Fest. If you're ready to make your debut feature, submit your short film or feature-length screenplay now at filmfreeway.com slash studiofest. Coming up in future episodes, what will it take to safely produce a film during a pandemic? What will be the fate of Ryan and Luam's movie Frida? And what tough decisions will Jess and Charles have to make for the future of Studio Fest? Also, we interview Sundance Independent Spirit Award-nominated director of Bellflower and Coatwolf founder Evan Gladell. Demystified is a Studio Fest production presented by Movie Maker. This episode was narrated and edited by me, Jake Bowen. It was conceived and recorded by Jess Jacklin, Charles Beale, and Jake Bowen. The theme song was composed by Patrick Patrikios. Go and it's just one guy's point of view. To hear future episodes of Demystified, go to moviemaker.com or visit studiofest.com, where you can also learn more about Studio Fest and subscribe to the show.